All right, Robert, you ready? Hit it. This gets me fired up right here. Mm. It's the heart pumping, the blood flow. Ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Concord, North Carolina, in the blue corner, is your opponent tonight. Weighing in at 237 pounds of twisted steel and apologetics appeal, Robert Rain Man Mayfield! Now, coming to the blue corner. He's so radical in evangelism. He's so radical in apologetics. He will do exegesis throughout the scripture. Jesse, the radical Watkins! Well, hey, uh, good morning, good evening, apologetics people. Uh, what are we doing here, Robert? Well, we got some announcements to, to put on your calendar today. You want to mark down for April 29th of 2016, Secret Church 16 is coming to Charlotte, North Carolina. What is Secret Church and why is it secret? Well, Secret Church is not supposed to be a secret. But what it is, it's about brothers and sisters coming together and praying for the persecuted church around the world. So you want to mark your calendar down for that because it is awesome in apologetics and how to defend the faith. And this year we will be studying world religions. So uh, did you say who leads Secret Church? Uh, Dr. David Platt leads Secret Church. President of the IMB. Yes, he is president of the IMB. And uh, picture this. Author of the book Radical. Oh, Goes right along with your nickname. Uh, Jesse the Radical, David Platt David. Radical. I think he wrote that book after me. He might have. He might have. That was a your, tad uh, bit arrogant. That was, that was a little <laughs> bit arrogant. A little, uh, little, little prideful and boastful. But that's all right. At least we're saved by grace. Amen. Uh, you know, not by works. Not by works. It's kind no of our right. topic today. Is that what we're going to be studying today? We may go there. All right. All right. So uh, what, are, what, are, what are our people at, uh, at Friendship Southern Baptist Church Need to do. We need to uh, probably have a sign-up sheet because we need to purchase in advance tickets to go uh, to Hickory Grove when those tickets go on sale January 11th. Yes, January 11th tickets go on sale, and like I said, you don't want to miss out on this. It's usually it's a simulcast. Usually, probably between 50 to 60 thousand people around the world right. watching this simulcast, and not only that, within the church, there'll probably be about 5,000 people there. So, right. you definitely want to mark your calendar down. You will be sharpened. Iron will sharpen iron that night. Um, it's like taking a water hose as a kid and trying to drink from that water hose. You can't get it all in. Yeah. But then a pitcher trying to take a fire hose to the face, mm. you're still not going to get it all. Mm. So this is how amazing you Secret look, Church is. So. Your face looks like it took a fire hose a few times. <laughs> well, speaking of that, why don't we uh, talk about the topic today? Hey, Robert, uh, you know you got a face for radio? <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm not going to be... Uh, Condescending to you, my friend. I'm just going to stick to what the uh, topic is at hand and know that uh, I am bigger than you are, and uh, I'll swash you like a bug. So, moving on. Amen. Let me start off with a story before we get to uh, our introductory topic. All right. So, lately I've been talking a lot about the elf on the shelf. Mm. All right. How the elf on the shelf really uh, is not necessarily a picture of the gospel. Or of grace, and so uh, we try to teach our children that um, you know we actually do have an elf, 
And the reason we have an elf is because we use it each day. The elf is in a different place so that my children can teach the elf about Jesus. Really? So um, he's not there to watch you and to report on you because basically that simply creates a mentality of, you know, law, a mentality of, uh, like you said, works-based giving on and on. And so we've done that for a few years. So my daughter goes to school, and she comes home from school, and she says, "Uh, hey, we watched the Elf movie at school today. I didn't even know. I don't think she's talking about the movie. You're talking about the one with Will Ferrell. I don't think I'm talking about that one, no. She said there's a movie about the Elf on the Shelf that's out now. Hmm. She says, we watched the movie about the Elf on the Shelf. And I said, really? Why is that? She says, well, we have an Elf in the classroom. And I said, well, that's interesting. What's the purpose of the Elf? She says, he watches over us and reports back to Santa. <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, uh, I mean, everything, I, I, you know, we had tried to work towards saying, hey, listen, you know, you're not, you're not getting things on Christmas because of your behavior, right? And it's funny, she goes to public school and then comes home with that story. But, well, I will say this. I do know that, the Elf on the Shelf is very popular right now. Right. I mean, you look at social media, everybody's posting pictures of what the Elf is doing today. Like, last night I saw one. It was pretty funny. It had the Elf in, like, an ice cube, and they yeah. had a frozen doll beside it. That was freezing. Funny. And yeah. so, you know, it's very popular. Right. So how do you tell parents that if you're doing a workspace, reporting back to Santa, how is that not showing grace as a Christian when we talk about Christmas? Exact, and I think, uh, exactly, I think that's where our theme is today, and so I've got a little intro music for this theme, you ready? All right, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Santa Claus is coming in a buggy, buggy, choo-choo, train, train, I'm not really sure, train, but I'm train, liking it, train, 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 Santa's been checking, checking all around the world, wants to know what's going on with every single boy and girl. Said, Great gosh, you're mighty much to my surprise. Everybody's been naughty, everybody's been nice now. Santa likes to boogie, Santa likes to dance, Santa likes to rock and likes to go real fast. Santa likes to rock and in the boogie, boogie, choo choo train. That's some good intro music for our segment today. So, this is our first Gospel Defenders podcast. And uh, right now we're going to make it available f- through the uh, Friendship SBC podcast link. Yep. Um, because that's the vehicle we have right now. And uh, so we wanted to talk about, well, what's the first subject we want to talk about? Well, it is December the 10th, 2015, meaning we have uh, just about 15 days until the winter solstice. Ooh. When, uh, I like to just call it Christmas, but that's pretty nice. in Scandinavia will celebrate. The uh, pagan festival and uh, the deities in Rome, the Feast of Saturnalia. I'm, I'm actually just jesting there. <laughs> it's December 25th when we, uh, man, we could really talk about 
why the the birth of Jesus is on or celebrated on December 25th, um, when historically we think it may be. But anyway, in our culture, it's December 25th. And popular in our culture is the concept of Santa Claus mm. or St. Nicholas or... Papi Gigio. Popo Gigio. <laughs> <laughs> Got that from the Santa Claus movie. I did. I did. With... Uh, Tim Allen. Yep. One of, one of the classics. So um, I know as a kid... I idolized Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I would wake up, all I cared about is what the big man brought me. And right. so I know even as a kid, we, whether we want to admit to it or not, we hold Santa Claus and we exalt him very highly because we want to do good things so that way we receive good things, right? Right. That's normally what you are taught. And you're not just taught that. Here's the thing. I've never taught my children. I actually have never taught my children at all. Um, about, we don't even talk about Santa Claus on Christmas morning. Mm. Just from culture alone, just from school alone, my daughter comes back with the mentality. The other night, Roman was acting up at the dinner table and she said, Roman's not going to get anything for Christmas. I said, why is that? She says, well, he's being bad and Santa sees that. These things are just from culture alone. And the thing is, because Christmas is a Christian celebration, then the paradigm of, well, if I'm good, I get good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I'm bad, I don't get, creates basically a law-based mentality in the, uh, the Christmas celebration. So, okay, let's, let's picture this then. So say we got a young couple, um, Newly married, coming together. Their kids are probably, say they got two kids between the ages of four and seven, right? Right. Four and seven years old. And they're really getting into Christmas now. Now the kids are starting to understand about presents and stuff like that. What are some practical ways of talking about Christmas, Mm -hmm. uh, teaching the real St. Nicholas? I wish Mm -hmm. he would stand up, right? I wish the real St. Nick would stand up. How do we teach that? How do we... um, Help parents understand, hey, look, you can still have fun at Christmas. Um, you still can uh, celebrate with joy and laughter. Um, when the world says, oh, a lot of these different things are pagan, what would be some of the ways you would address them and talk about that? So let's talk about, um, first of all, let's, let's go to a gospel foundation as we say, all right, what do we need to do in the celebration? to point our kids to Christ in the gospel. Because if the celebration is not pointing our kids to Christ in the gospel, then it's distracting them from it. Now, I'm not saying like, here, here, here's what I'm saying. If you go to a baseball game, a baseball game is not necessarily pointing you to the gospel. Right. John Piper actually just wrote an article that says it can, but uh, that's not what we're going today. So what we're saying is we're not talking that, that entertainment and culture is anti-gospel. But what we're saying is when a Christian tradition Mm. is not gospel-founded, then a Christian tradition actually becomes anti-gospel. Right. Because you're teaching you're teaching something else other than what the gospel teaches when we're when the gospel says you're saved by grace through faith and not of self, that it's not of works. And when we start portraying something else other than that, then you're teaching something anti to the gospel, is what you're getting at. Right. Because um, being being a pastor for 14 years now, 
the majority of conversations that I have with people are people who don't believe that they're good enough for God. Mm. Now, this is, this is the truth. We're, we're not good enough for God, but they don't feel like they can exist in a Christian relationship because they're not good enough to deserve from God. Well, they, here's the whole thing. They're ingrained in a mentality that says, if I don't deserve it, I don't get it. They haven't seen grace. They haven't seen the gospel. They haven't seen unmerited favor. So where does that whole paradigm come from in our culture? It comes from the way society views Jesus, the Bible, the gospel, and even Christmas. You think? Do you think Christmas is bigger than Easter on a cultural scale? Oh, absolutely. I think there's, I mean, you think about the millions of people in just America alone that will, around Christmas, the week of Christmas or uh, New Year's Eve, so forth, will be having celebrations, parties, get-togethers, food, stuff like this. Millions of people will be celebrating. So, yes, I would say Christmas is probably one of the, the biggest celebrations in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So um, when you portray those works-based things, that's what's going to be throughout the rest of your year. You're thinking about that because even probably in the summertime, you're telling your kids, Santa's watching. You're not being good because right. you're trying to keep them under, I would say, law. Right. You're now putting them under law, trying to make them to live up to a expectation they can't live up to. And you're using law as a motivation for behavior, which is opposite of the Christian motivation of behavior. That's what Apostle Paul talks about on and on and on, especially in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8, that... When you, if you look at Romans chapter 7, the law keeps us bound. The law shows us we're not good enough. Right. All right. So what is, what is the motivation for correct behavior in the Christian worldview? What would you say? The motivation is out of gratitude. When you see salvation, when you see that you're saved by grace of nothing that you've done, that um, the Scripture teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, that it says we all were dead in sin. That none of us were alive. That in Adam we are all dead, but in Christ we are made alive. But we see that by His grace, His mercy, His kindness. And when you start realizing who God is, now you serve out of a place of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is when you serve out of gratitude, now you want to uphold the law. You don't want to go around stealing right. or killing or murder. That's you not want what... good works to occur. And, and, and when we say good works, we meaning things that honor God. Absolutely. Right. So back to that young couple. Yep. Let's get back to them. Let's give them some practical ways okay. of us defending the gospel, uh, the Christmas home as they celebrate this year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give them some ways of who the real St. Nick is. Okay. Also, maybe some of the uh, traditions that come. Why do we have a Christmas tree? Why mm-hmm. do we have presents? What are some of the ways that instead of putting kids under the law, right. how can we show grace and how right. can we show Christ within Christmas? All right, so first of all would be establishing that gospel foundation. And uh, in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning that we receive the gift of salvation in the midst of our sinfulness. Okay, okay. We receive it because we're bad, right? Mm. So when we reiterate to our children what Christmas is about, number one... You know, if your family is, is, you know, using Santa Claus in any way 
do not attach Santa Claus to a works-based system of giving. Okay. And what we mean by that is, all right, Santa was a historical character in history, St. Nicholas of Myra, from uh, born 270 A.D., right? And he was a Christian bishop who went around doing uh, uh, charitable deeds for the poor, not because of good behavior, because he was a Christian and because it reflected the grace of Jesus Christ. So you would say he then served out of gratitude because he saw what the gospel had done to his life. Exactly. He was serving out of gratitude, and he was giving to people who you know needed help. He wasn't giving to bratty little children, per se. <laughs> right. Right, and he wasn't telling people, hey, listen, uh, if you disobey, you're not going to get anything. That's not a gospel picture. Now, now what does St. Nick do when people started preaching anything other than the gospel. So if they started preaching something different than grace, maybe law, or trying to twist what uh, a true Christian foundations were, did St. Nick do anything that would, uh, contrary to what he believed? Uh, well, well, Saint, when, whenever St. Nicholas encountered what was contrary to what he believed, he took action. Mm. Um, the most, I say, n- notorious tradition about St. Nicholas is uh, when he encountered Arius at the Council of Nicaea, uh, who Arius was the founder of uh, Arianism, Mm. which says that Jesus Christ was not of the same substance of God. Arius taught that Jesus Christ was a created being, not an eternal being, which is actually anti-gospel, because the gospel says that Jesus Christ is co-eternal with God. He is the same substance of the Father, eternally generated. Uh, he is. He has always been there, on and on and on. Colossians so, chapter one says, "In him all things were created through him, by him, and for him." Yes. Uh, so that he may be preeminent above all things. Right. If so, he is a created being, then he would not be the creator of everything. Hmm, amen. But because he did create everything, he was the creator of everything. He himself was never created. So anyway. Um, St. Nicholas encountered Arius on the floor of the Council of Nicaea, and they got into a heated debate. And uh, St. Nicholas had just spent um, years in prison because of uh, persecution, because he was preaching the gospel. And here you have someone that is passionately zealous about the gospel, and here you have Arius who's not preaching the gospel. Well, St. Nicholas uh, just decided to knock him out right there on the uh, (laughs) council floor. And... You know, we can argue about his methods, but Arius had already infected groups of people with the the heresy of Arianism. So um, Santa Claus or St. Nicholas was watching out to see if you were naughty or nice, but it was in reference to Orthodox doctrine. So he was the George St. Pierre of 3rd century, is what you're telling me. Um, yes, and I'm not sure where George St. Pierre falls theologically, but don't mess with St. Nicholas because... He'll knock you out. Yeah. So um, back to this couple, uh, if they are going to use things like um, St. Nicholas, then it should be associated with a gospel-centered view of Christmas and giving and um, unmerited favor, right? 
Uh, many parents have viewed things like, you know, Santa Claus, Elf on the Shelf, as a method to get their kids to behave. Now, that's fine. I, I love using methods to get my kids to behave. You know, if you don't behave, you don't get ice cream. If you don't behave, you don't get uh, TV time. Spare, on and on and on. Spare the rods, pull the child. Yes, there is a valuable place of discipline. Right. But when that type of mentality becomes associated with Christmas, who is necessarily related to Christ and to God, then it's anti-gospel. So, um, you know, for my children, they know that, uh, first of all, mommy and daddy ain't going all big and going all out on Christmas because... We're not wanting to distract from the gift who is Christ. So we've really scaled down our gifts. Um, so what would be a good principle? Like if, if, if I'm on a budget or mm-hmm. not on a budget, and <clears throat> I'm thinking about, okay, I see what you're saying, Jesse. Um, this is why you're the radical, okay? Yep, I'm the um, radical. And I see what you're going with. What would be... I mean, this is not saying that this is uh, you have to do it this way, but what's a good principle of gift buying and why a certain amount of gifts and what does that show? Well, I think, first of all, our goal in Christmas is not to create spoiled children and it's not to create children who believe they're being rewarded from a magical elf in the sky who is uh, simply a mixture of pagan deities, which we can talk about next week if you want to. Um, But what I would say is, uh, you know, maybe maybe think about having a few gifts. Uh, Maybe, you know, my family is observing the principle of doing three gifts. Right. So uh, we use that kind of to teach as a lesson from the wise men. Um, that they brought three gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you think about it, Jesus, when he was born, um, was literally king of the universe from day one. Hmm. And they brought him three things. Now, those three things were valuable things, but they didn't give him, you know, a chariot or a horse or a palace. iPad 5, iPad 6. Right. And uh, so... I think there's a, a humility in knowing that we're giving gifts, number one, because Jesus was a gift to us, but also because gifts were presented to him. And so we're celebrating that memorial. Here's the question we've got to ask when it comes to Christmas trees, when it comes to whatever traditions we're doing, when it comes to Easter, on and on and on. Why are we doing this? I think that's the underlying question of why and what is this attached to? Because a holiday is originally a holy day, hmm. right? Christmas was initially the Christ Mass. It was the feast of the Christ child. It was celebrated to commemorate the Christ child, all right? So we're celebrating the Son of God. We're not celebrating materialism. We're not celebrating vanity. We're not celebrating um, American prosperity. We're celebrating the Son of God. So our gifts should reflect that. The other thing we do is we don't ask our children what they want for Christmas. Now, why would you say that? Why would you say your daughter comes up to you and says, Daddy, I won't, I won't, I won't? Mm-hmm. What, would be, what would be wrong with that? Because then the celebration of Jesus Christ becomes centered on her. 
it becomes basically another birthday party for her. You know, on your birthday, um, and there's some denominations of Christianity that don't believe in birthdays because they elevate the self. My family, we really like birthdays. It's one day a year where, you know, it's all about you. Right. It's, uh, it's your day, whatever you like, you know, Roman-like pirates, so we do a pirate birthday. It's all about you that day. Christmas is not that day. Christmas is not about you, but you think about most Christmas celebrations, children have so many presents that that is the consuming principle. Now, a lot of people say, well, my kids know what it's really about. Well, they'll tell you what it's really about, right? Right. But what are they most excited about? What are they most celebrating? What is that celebration pointing to? It's pointing to their want, their materialism, you know, the newish flashy things in the culture. That's why Black Friday is so popular. The only reason Black Friday exists is because of the mentality on Christmas that we need to go out and blow our budgets for the year because, you know, the Joneses down the street are going to get whatever for Christmas, and we need to go bigger, we need to go better. So, Well, I definitely think the uh, the three presents, great principle. It shows the, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, how that would also be in the death, burial, and resurrection, uh, along with at the birth scene. And so with three present presence uh, principles, I think you could use that in your home to point to the Savior. Like you said, everything should be, why are we celebrating this way? It should be about Christ. With three presents, you can really point that out. I'm not saying if you get four or five that you still can't do it, but as Christians, we got to have a reason why we're doing it. And when you set those principles up, it's easier to share the gospel in that way. All right, so we're back reporting now. Um, where do we leave off? Well, we left off. Uh, we gave good principles of why we should do three presents. Right. Um, we discussed, and, and that's not a that's not a hard fast rule. Right. I mean, when my mother grew up, majority of Christmases she got one present, mm. and that's all her family got. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of family that can only afford one present or no presents. And I mean, the whole thing should be about Christ. Uh, and, and the whole point of this is just to set good guidelines or encouragement of how we can point to Christ better within our families. Um, I think our church statement, you say it best if you'd like to give it. Equipping families and individuals to fulfill the Great Commission in their community and around the world. And so I think that is the Gospel Defenders' motto, right. is equipping families. So... Um, Let's talk a little bit about the Christmas tree. That's one of the big ones for me. People always say, oh, that's there's a lot of paganism when it comes to a Christmas tree. Um, do you and your family have a Christmas tree, and what's a good principle to say, why do you put a tree up in your home? Uh, yes, we do have a Christmas tree, uh, and it's because I read one time that Martin Luther cut down the first one because he saw the starlight coming through the branches, and then he put candles on the tree, but I think that's pretty much a fake story. I don't think Martin Luther ever did that. Yeah, I've never heard of it. But It'd that's be great good. to attach the father of the Reformation to the Christmas tree story, but I think there's many other uh, traditions dating back way before him of families bringing greenery into the home. Mm. But um, we we haven't got to the point yet where we necessarily describe the meaning of a tree in the home, right? Um, because since our, well, me and Tyler have been doing it for our whole marriage, um, to decorate and to, you know, we do it as kind of a family memory. We remember 
you know, uh, different places we've been and stuff like that. But I'm going to let you share about ways that the Christmas tree can be used as a meaningful symbol uh, for Christmas. Well, I would say, first let me encourage this. There's a movie out called Saving Christmas. Great, great movie by Kurt Cameron, uh, people of Liberty University, put it out. Um, Now, necessarily, I don't agree with everything in the movie, but for the majority, I like the, the, the take they took on it, of how we can show... Uh, different things throughout the movie to point to Christ. And one of my favorite parts throughout the movie was the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And they brought up the point about uh, some people will say it's pagan and this is the fertility goddess and, and so forth and the evergreen tree. <clears throat> and uh, the way they go throughout this movie and they point the picture of that it's an evergreen tree that represents eternal life. Mm. Okay. Now, we celebrate in the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. You know, and everything is dying off, but yet this tree is still green and full of life because it represents the giver of life, mm-hmm. meaning Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. him being the one who hung on a tree. That's why we have a tree in our house. Mm-hmm. And what do we hang on trees? Ornaments. Ornaments. Right. Usually most ornaments, you have some type of remembrance. Right. Like I know with me and Jennifer, we have, we started dating in 2003 and from 2003 all the way up until we got married. And even when we got married, we have ornaments with years of where we've been, celebrations, stuff like that to represent something, a remembrance. When you take those ornaments and you hang them on the tree, Mm -hmm. that is remembering something. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that tree and you're telling your kids, hey, this is why we put ornaments on the tree, and this is the remembrance that we have that Jesus hung on a tree, hung on a cross, and he is the giver of life. And so I think you can use a Christmas tree to be able to tell the Christmas story by showing, you know what, every time you put that ornament have remembrance of the one who died on a cross, mm. who took the full wrath of God, who paid the price that was due unto us, and there is salvation and life in his name and his name alone. Mm. And so you can use a Christmas tree in that way, um, just like with ornaments and so forth. So definitely good principles on Christmas of what to do. Well, and the interesting thing is, you know, once you've got everything hung on there, then the final thing you do is you plug in the lights, mm. and it really becomes the light in the darkness of your home. And what my family likes to do, we like to cut off all the lights and leave only the Christmas tree. That becomes the centerpiece, all right? So here you've got the tree on which something hangs, on which this memorial hangs, this remembrance hangs, and then it becomes the light in the darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. What is that ultimate light? It's his propitiation for our sins on the cross, that on that tree, he was the gift of the world. And this is one thing that historically Christmas doesn't necessarily do a good job of. That's why the Puritans actually outlawed Christmas because they didn't believe in it. Right. Charles Spurgeon wouldn't celebrate Christmas because he said there's no nothing in Scripture which makes us remember the birth of Jesus uh, as a particular day uh, compared to the death and resurrection of Jesus. But... The gift was not just the baby, right? It was what that babe grew up and accomplished on the cross. So I think it becomes a picture of, you know, you have you don't normally in your house the little nativity scene. Right. But then you have uh, this huge dominant tree. Well, why? It's because the manger wasn't the point. The point was the tree. Scripture says, cursed is the one who hangs on a tree, and that Jesus became a curse 
for us. That becomes a center picture of your home. Wow. And, you know, I think also when you start putting in uh, this mindset of looking at Christmas through these lens, through a lens of grace, through a lens of when you see what the Savior has done, it will definitely be a more joyful celebration throughout your home and through your friends. And if you if you don't celebrate Christmas, mm. if you say, oh, that's not for us, right. but you are a Christian, then I still say you should come with joy. Always remembrance Him every single day of your life. That Christmas is not one day out of the year. It should be every day because we are joyful in Him. Right. And it should be all about Him every day. Amen. So. Well, let's... Uh... Let's transition out on a worship song. Do you have one in mind? Oh, I've been listening to one of my new favorite artists. Uh, her name is Morgan Harper Nicholas. I hope I said her last name correctly. Nichols? Nichols, that's it. What's the name of the song? Um, I would like to go with, um, we in more of a slow feeling today, or are we in more of a fast beat? What do you think? Uh, I'm kind of fast beat. Kind of fast beat? Yeah. All right, several good songs that she has. Her whole album, I've probably listened to it. A thousand times already, it seems mm-hmm. like. But I would go with uh, Morning. Morning. Yep. So this is Morgan Harper Nichols. I like this because it's given our listeners some new worship songs to listen to. I love listening to worship songs on my way into work, on my way to the office. It really just uh, helps me worship for the day, start off after my devotion, just kind of listening, reflecting on my devotion for the morning on my car ride. So Morgan Harper Nichols. Yesterday, I gave him my best and still made mistakes. But praise God for mercy, it's new every day, and I know that. 